0: Welcome, everyone, to the Punisher podcast by Fantastic Geek, your official, unofficial voice of the Marvel Cinematic Community. My name is Matt, and joining me, as always, is Pete. Hello, Pete.
1: Delayed gratification's good. It built the middle class. The Punisher podcast by Fantastic Geek for episode 203, Trouble the Water, is sponsored by Deus Ex Coptera. Just how far is Ohio? from new york
0: indeed pete what would we do if you were not keeping track of the travel accounts for all fictional dhs agents but so glad to be here talking punisher pete of course this upcoming weekend we have star trek discovery episode 202 and uh, glad to be talking punisher glad to be talking star trek who knows what other geeky goodness is ahead
1: little runaways run down uh wrap for season two in there as well so keeping the dial moving here at fantastic geek headquarters why don't you take us to the recap
0: the episode opens with baptism music as one does whilst inside a preacher talks about sins big and small finding you out outside intercut is pilgrim chopping wood the preacher talks of the angel troubling the water and the pool that would help heal the sick called up is Anderson and Eliza Schultz. Eliza steps up to the lectern. She speaks of loving our neighbor as ourselves, of finding truth and serving faithfully. Pilgrim exits the church, talking to Anderson Schultz about Pilgrim's sick wife and a serious matter that needs some special attention from Pilgrim. One of theirs has been thrown to the lions. In his sparse home, Pilgrim's wife Rebecca asks how long he'll be gone and where he's going. He chooses to keep it a secret, but will be back soon. He takes off his shirt, faded Nazi tattoos seen by us. Cut to the current story, Pilgrim sitting outside the Larkville Sheriff's Office. The credits show the episode is written by Ken Christensen, staff writer, and directed by Jeremy Webb, veteran of a season one Punisher, two runaways from the last two seasons, also a director of elementary Doctor Who, Downton Abbey, and more back to the episode frank is in a larkville jail cell urine on the floor while the female assassin says things can only get worse in the desk area rachel is chatting amiably with deputy ogden from whom she'd like a soda pop please the sheriff arrives to talk to rachel or stephanie or a bunch of aliases so stop the pollyanna routine the truth she's still an aw victim harden doesn't buy it and is ready to throw her in the women's jail cell Rachel shares more truth. The woman in the cell wants to kill her, but the man saved her. Hardin walks into the cells and notes that the woman is Marlena Olin, and she's got quite the military background. Pete Castiglione, however, has the background of a choir boy, and, oddly, no military record. Marlena gives him a round of applause and wonders when he's calling the state police. Is this an election year? She can make sure he's not erased from the ballot. He's set to leave, but Frank warns him that more are coming to finish the job. Later, in the cells, Marlena's astonished. Frank really was in the wrong place, wrong time. In the reception area, Pilgrim and his dirty detective are all smiles and ready to pick up two perps, asking about the female juvenile as well. Hardin isn't playing ball. Arraignments are on Thursday, so come back then. Pilgrim then speaks, asking about the oath of office. Hardin took one, before God. Pilgrim implicitly threatens all the sheriffs. He and the lieutenant exit, signaling for the power to be cut. In the cells, Marlena says time's up. Outside, gun-toting baddies filter from out of the woods. Hardin wants to talk to Frank, who is brought into the bullpen area. Frank notes the darkness, the jammed radio, and Hardin knows it. Frank recaps wrong place, wrong time, and 13 bad guys being taken down. Why? A man's got a right to defend himself and defend those who can't. Ogden is given keys to the department car, sent to go get help. He's taken out by Pilgrim's sniper rifle. Hardin collects Ogden and sees Pilgrim. The good Christian notes that Ogden only has a few hours to live with that gut shot, but that's the price for protecting the godless. Frank asks to be set loose and is ready to follow whatever rules Hardin sets. Then bullets start to fly. Frank quickly intuits the frontal attack is a diversion, that baddies are coming in through the back. We see it happen, the back door breached, the bullpen under fire in two directions. Quick enough, Frank is loose of his cuffs, and Marlena is loose from her cell. She's gone, and Frank looks toward the door, but he's not running. It earns him trust. Ogden reminds the sheriffs that they all took an oath, and can't just turn over Rachel and Frank. He's still bleeding, though, and could die tonight. In New York, Billy is in therapy with Dr. Dumont. He can't sleep even with pills, even having been trained to sleep anywhere. She reiterates his therapy plan, sleep and confront the nightmares. He paces the room and she uses a metaphor of his nightmares being a spider web, pull it slowly and clean it all out. He screams at her and the corrections officers enter the room. He screams more and they put their hands on him. A quick, brutal fight later, Billy has taken them out, and she's his prisoner as they walk the halls. They make it farther and farther away as the building goes on lockdown. They make it outside, and he takes off his mask. She sees his face. We do not. He runs. Later, Madani is at the hospital, tightly wound but well-presented and feeling confirmed as to the Billy threat. Dumont says this wasn't planned. It was involuntary. Sergeant Brett Mahoney walks in angry at Madani's repeated visits, ready to escort her out. She walks out under her own power, but she snags Billy's journal, sight unseen. Back to the Larkville woods, Melinda has a plan to storm the office, though Pilgrim chokes her out as the bad child is cast into darkness. His baddies attack again, ready to throw Molotov cocktails, though Frank is there to shoot them out of the goon's hand. Frank slides into the woods, taking out the attackers. Pilgrim is aware of the changing odds and looking none too safe. He appears to have Frank in his sights, but gets distracted by a helicopter, with Madani on the bullhorn, telling him to stay put. The DHS chopper lands, saving the day. Someone changed her mind. Madani asks the sheriff if Pete Castiglione was never there. Hardin agrees, but is ready to let Frank run from DHS too. Frank declines, but says he wants to take Rachel as well. It's a deal. Harden hands back Frank's bag and Rachel's film canisters, too. Where are they going? New York. Well, Pete, let's talk villains ahead of us. Top of the list certainly must be Pilgrim.
1: How can you not crave even more of this guy's backstory after this episode? When the... uh, the beginning part of the episode, wherever he is, we don't know what County, we don't know what state this church gathering is held in that he lives, that these philanthropists approach him to go on this mission. Is it even this mission to get Rachel? Um, but want to know more.
0: We do. And I think that unlike other uh Marvel TV villains, where I think, You can see their perspective or you can feel bad for their downward spiral um you know pete the nazi tattoos make it clear that we might be able to understand where he's coming from a little bit better but probably shouldn't cross over to uh, a sympathetic perspective but that said for that brief time where he's just a guy out front chopping wood wife looking on kind of you know sparse exterior sparse interior to his home um, and then to find out that the wife is ill, perhaps gravely ill, I think there's a certain uh, depth given to him as a character, won't say sympathy, but certainly right. depth uh, given to him. And uh, makes me wonder too, if maybe he's a, a tool of a larger, a larger movement here. I know he's acting under orders, but you know, how much of this is him, is his particular perspective being exploited for, for ill purposes?
1: well had we been given this piece before we'd seen any of his other actions we'd view him sympathetically nay even heroically here's somebody who made a poor decision and has you know taken off the you know you say nazi tattoos to me it looked like jailhouse you know affiliation stuff what have you whatever whatever you know they're they're uh, they're removed uh and what life before and then obviously the life after. Um but yeah, he continues to be an interesting presence on screen.
0: How interesting that we should diverge ever so slightly on the take and the tattoos. What I saw was a uh was a faded iron cross that, of Mm course, you know, directly Germanic and then also Nazi Germany origin. I also thought another one, maybe on the other shoulder, not the back one, but, uh, that to me looked like, uh, you know, World War II Nazi helmet guy. Um, the one across the
1: back or the Eagle, like, you know, you see in Raiders of the Lost Ark, um, they have on staffs, um, you got to wonder, too, from a production standpoint. Hey, we need to have removed tattoos on this character. Uh, imagine what that takes from a makeup standpoint.
0: Well, and and uh, I certainly I agree. The, I had not uh, immediately jumped to the notion that they were removed. Now I'm not I'm not disagreeing with you. I think there's uh, more than enough possibility that there's been an attempt to remove them. Uh, also, Pete, if they were completely removed, would we see them? No. so you know the 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 medium of film and TV requires we have to see something. You seem to be leaning towards the idea that they perhaps represent a perspective that he no longer has, i e he wanted them removed. I guess that that had not jumped to the forefront of my mind. so I, I I appreciate your perspective. Did you think they were covered up? I thought that maybe they were faded, and I don't I don't know. Pete, much about, much about tattoos other than watching a couple seasons of NY Inc. or NYC Inc., whatever that was. Um, I also, I I think he's kind of in that nebulous middle age-ish uh, thing that actors actors can be in. So if you told me, hey, the actor is 40 playing 48, I'd believe it. If you said, hey, the actor is 56 and eats a whole bunch of veggies and works out every day playing 48, I'd believe that too. But I guess I kind of looked at it. I guess I had looked at it from my perspective and said, all right, this is a guy who's late forties, maybe got these age 20. And again, with me not having a lot of tattoo knowledge, if you told me, yeah, in 25 plus years, this is how a a tattoo will fade. I would believe it.
1: Well, I'm someone regarded for having some tattoo knowledge.
0: (laughs) That is true, Pete, whether it's myth or truth, I shan't ever say, I I actually don't even know that that that's part of the mystique of it. It's like spoiler Pete. I don't quite know where, where where it all lies
1: let's talk about ms marlena olin pete she first of all gets a name
0: in this episode which we appreciate since we've been calling them by fake names um tough as nails uh i I like the inclusion about three quarters of the way through the episode indeed pete when she's towards the end of her life uh where she has all these backup plans ready to go you know give her 24 hours she's out of the country you kind of I kind of imagined this kind of James Bond, but private contractor kind of thing where she's got the bug out bag and she's ready to go. I think that speaks to a certain military professionalism, although obviously her actions, not professional, but uh, no actions after this episode. If I understand what I saw.
1: No. And given her presence in the first three episodes really represents a, a transition, not only with the setting shifting back to New York, but, You know, somebody nameless now given an identity and Pilgrim in an effort to cover his tracks and an assertion of dominance, taking her out the same way he took Sergei out in episode one
0: well Pete next on the list we finally get I say finally we're only three episodes in Pete that's how deep it feels but we get Billy Russo um finally for Madani's perspective uh finally showing his true colors at least that's what she thinks but clearly on the run clearly I think those those workouts those crunches he'd been doing I take the perspective that he's been preparing for this day for a while
1: who would have figured we would go three episodes and yet to see his face?
0: Um, I completely agree, Pete. And all I will say is that uh, thank goodness for Netflix, Pete. Because when I got done with this episode, I said, Oh, I want to go back and get a screenshot for the, the website art. And uh, darned if Netflix doesn't have more on that particular topic, that of his face. Uh, as the art for episode two o four. So thanks, Netflix. thanks. But nonetheless, i like the I like the suspense of it not being shown.
1: Where did he go? And that uh, Dr. Dumont, who we're going to talk about in a moment, tearful as his hostage, as he's uh, leaving, Um, and then covering for, uh, Billy with Madani that, you know, he's, he's a victim, Matt, this, this good boy, he's, he's misunderstood.
0: The only, the only portion of what you've just described and and portion of Dr. Dumont that I feel a little uneasy with. And now, now that I think about it, maybe I'm projecting, uh, in anticipation of where I think what I think the script might be trying to do um, is there's kind of this pie eyed almost attraction from Dr. Dumont to Billy. And now again, kind of, as I say it out loud, what has the episode, what have these episodes given us in terms of that? Okay. Maybe nothing other than the fact that she, she's in the counseling profession. She should be caring for people. So it's, you know, as opposed to like, "Ah, I'm the ER doc. guess I got to pull these, pull these, pull these bullets out of the gangbanger again. You know, that's not her, perspective um so i guess pete i take back my implied finger wag how about this good job steve lightfoot and the show for not making her swept off her feet by this charismatic man um that said is it a little short-sighted that she's only focused on his emotional state and not the crimes that he's committed indeed the crimes of which he could be capable of uh shame on her Pete. shame on her
1: is it Florence Nightingale syndrome? Is what you have to wonder. The months of therapy she's done with him, Madani's suspicion that Rousseau is, uh, you know, playing her, and his absolute brutal takedown of these uh, cops right in front of her. Uh, she's aghast when it happens. She doesn't scream. He wants to know why she didn't scream uh, when they get out and into the wind he goes. Well, I'm
0: not sure. I guess I'm not sure where I come down on it. If, if we call it Florence Nightingale syndrome, is there some kind of gender projection that we are putting onto the character? That's not there. Eh, Maybe that makes me a little, it makes me a little nervous to do that to the character who otherwise has been presented as professional wrong (laughs) wrongly invested in his in his purity um but but professional nonetheless um but it certainly does raise questions i mean there's this lockdown there are these security officers or police officers running past her i mean heck pete there's kindly guy that's like hey dr dumont at what point does she mouth help me or you know (laughs) something like that would
1: would billy be able to see it
0: well, that's just it. And, and, and Pete, as a side note, this is not uh, the, the this next thing does not appear in our list of villains. But can we talk about uh, lockdown procedure creator at the hospital? Because maybe the cause of your lockdown walking past three armed guards through at least one set of double doors and then dot 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 some degree of travel then outside completely, they need to revisit these lockdown procedures. Yeah, I
1: completely agree in a show, in an episode that builds such suspense around this siege of the Larkville Sheriff's uh, Office. I guess maybe they didn't want to have a similar situation unfold because, yes, they pretty much beeline out of that past a number of people who are going to be highly accountable as to why that happened.
0: And I think they could have staged it ever so slightly differently. Like, for example, if if they made it past that that right angle intersection and then there was the all call, you know, lockdown in, you know, I know they didn't say room 402, but lockdown in room 402. And then if you saw the security officers come behind them, they turn left, not seeing, you know, not, not seeing Billy and Dr. Dumont who have gone to the right. Towards camera, like that thing would have solved it. We would have been, oh man, Pete, they just missed them. Had they only looked, but they're so focused on where they have to get to. Instead, it's like, really, three guys don't notice the weirdo in the mask clutching her by the arm. Okay, I guess so. I guess, I guess so.
1: Yeah, and still no explanation as to the therapeutical nature of that mask. <laughs> Give us something, please. But from bad uh, security measures, Matt, let's shift to bad lieutenant reappearing in this episode after uh, taking episode 202 off. I liked his use in this episode in part
0: because you see him acting 100% um, with the front of being professional. Uh, The whole presentation you know it's not kind of the aw shucks oh man i'm in over my head that we saw in episode 201 this is more kind of he's got the lingo hey your thing's probably coming over the thing here's my badge you barely saw the glint. great i'm putting it away here's the this and the that and it's just a great use of him as that as that front to the uh non-governmental operation that is what pilgrim is doing uh the bad lieutenant as a uh you know as the government face of it we know it's not working and it doesn't work for for sheriff harden but it's a great presentation nonetheless
1: sheriff hardens so in over his head his skeleton uh you know inexperienced crew you you check all of the uh cliches there you've got the one that's never fired her gun in in the field you've got the rotund Dobbs, who you know is is pseudo cowardly when it goes down you've got ogden who uh yeah i'll take the charger and gets plugged in the gut and creates even more tension and that twice between bad lieutenant and then with pilgrim uh coming forward once they've cut the power and jam their radio and their cell phones um to, to try to get what they want and then Harden and everybody else there toes the line shows you the seriousness of, of what they're up against.
0: Yeah. I was reminded of, uh, of season two of Fargo and a, a somewhat similar situation of a police station here, a sheriff's office kind of, uh, you know, with the bad guys out there, that sort of thing. Uh, I think it's a particularly clean presentation here in terms of, the woods overlooking the police station which I don't know necessarily are the exact same location but you kind of buy it the way it's edited um, and for all the shooting that they do which you know could just be a good old-fashioned action shoot'em up kind of thing um, shades of a, of a western presentation as some of the uh, as some of the uh, sheriffs note you know the mysterious man has come to town trouble has followed him that kind of thing but the fact that it's a diversion for the rear entry breach, Kind of made sense, and kind of was well. If we have to see a action shoot 'em up, at least it's for the purposes of story, not just a good old fashioned action shoot 'em up.
1: And I like too that between Pilgrim's faceless army of you know just seemingly never-ending thugs, well trained. What's that? Or bullets. That too, um, you know. We think it's going to be like they say, oh, they're going to smoke us out and there's going to be this exodus from the sheriff's station. Instead, Frank does what Frank does and he takes out the Molotov cocktail and those guys get covered in liquid fire.
0: Pete, let's quickly mention uh, because I think there's some villainous vibes. Uh, We have Anderson and Eliza Schultz introduced to us. I got more of a villainous vibe out of uh, Eliza Schultz, of course, played by Annette O'Toole. Um, Probably, or at least probably the better bet is anderson schultz just in terms of that the matter of special attention but there was just something the way she was eyeing pilgrim the way pilgrim was eyeing her as she as she kind of sort of elbowed her way up to the uh, up to the lectern there at the church there's just a sheen of you know this is going places and it's not good
1: yeah i got a little bit of a vibe from what corbin Bernson's character told pilgrim that maybe Um, the one that's been thrown to the wolves is him.
0: Well, there's certainly tons of, I think, villainous potential there. And story-wise, what I think is interesting with the introduction of the Schultzes is Pilgrim, from our understanding, Pilgrim went from kind of the the top dog of it all to merely leading the group, but now leading the group under some orders, the nature of which we still don't, uh, don't fully know. With that, Pete, let's talk some theories here. I know we got a little bit in there regarding the the tattoo discussion, but uh, where would you like to take the theory discussion?
1: Let's start with Pilgrim's wife, Rebecca, and this new treatment she's receiving from Dr. Scully. Have we pinpointed why Pilgrim is doing what he's doing?
0: I think there's the implication there that they have maybe taken get ready for this pete if you think in 2019 there could be a comic book story about such a thing comic book tv show story uh this guy who is living life by a particular conservative perhaps constrained point of view uh may have that manipulated by people who are uh eager just for power or just for advancing their own their own slice of life taking him and twisting what otherwise was just kind of a a generalized um, energy and now focusing it for the purposes of ill Um, along the way there are promises perhaps of this medical solution I mean I feel like in this day and age to kind of certainly in TV and film to hang your hat on expensive mysterious possible solution from overseas it's an it's an, it's a european doctor who has the answer i feel like that's whoa this is a very very dangerous situation that she is in medically
1: yeah and clearly he cares for her clearly she understands his past that's where i think it's so important for us to be able to find out that this guy goes around in the the quaker-esque Get up, you know, looks like he's wearing a priest collar, the broad brimmed hat, the whole nine yards, the, the biblical quotes. And he's got this underneath and we've got a seemingly innocent person who places faith in him. Um, Yeah, there's there's such fertile story ground and, you know, we just have to give it time to unfurl
0: i'm glad you mentioned his clothing i don't know that the the priest-like get-up i don't think was as obvious in prior episodes but they really nail it here and do so not just in the church portions but the uh but the um later on when he's in the the uh the sheriff's office and it just adds this extra level of purpose to him
1: yeah and you know, whether he's there in an official capacity, you know, the the one thing and again, I, I don't want it to seem like we're knocking the show because I think we're both enjoying it. There's some little things. And this is the point of having this water cooler discussion. That is the podcast that we uh, talk about as we go. But like, how about a discussion when he and the bad lieutenant show up in the sheriff's office the first time of hey, oh, I am here as a spiritual advisor or or something along that instead of, you know, and who are you and what are you doing here and what's the story? Well, I certainly was surprised at,
0: I mean, he is very clearly implicitly threatening the lives of the sheriffs, um, which I guess – I guess Pete. Now you 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 know much more about religion than I. You with your, your religious education and whatnot. Sixteen
1: um, years of Catholic school.
0: <laughs> so so, where does it say that it's okay to that that you can cast away like like the decisions that you make are okay if it's for people that you deem the bad children or the lost children or or there's an us versus them mentality? I, I'm not literally asking for the religious explanation. I'm just kind of more pointing out. Throughout this episode, there's this undercurrent of, you know, love thy neighbor, but it better be the right kind of neighbor, wink, wink.
1: I think repugnant in the day and age that we're in and the hypocrisy all the more evident that, oh, well, certain people are are given the possibility of redemption. I mean, we need to look at the episode for everything that we um, are being told what happens. We've got the guy who winds up being Ogden's brother, who's been placed in the lockup uh, because he's uh, been seen in public drunk. He urinates himself. Uh, He's stuck in with Frank later he's given a weapon wants a deputy's badge and comes out of it alive um and and this is the type of person that is looked down upon by pilgrim and his mission if you
0: will pete we certainly get a bit more here on rachel or stephanie or this that the other um (laughs) Again, kind of similar to the my question from the last episode, when, not if, but when will we get to the bottom of Rachel and her connection to all of this?
1: Well, that she swept up with Madani and Frank here heading to New York. Um, you know, you, you can fool the, the podunk sheriff who, you know, couldn't get the stuff on Pete that found a lot of stuff out about Marlena that found that Rachel had a bunch of aliases, but not the the right one. And, you know, department Homeland security and Madani and that far uh, flung reach that they will know who she is. And I expect a whole bunch of reveals in that next episode.
0: Speaking of Madani, do you think Pete that, Do you think that she is helping Frank only because Billy is now uh, free and she kind of feels vindicated and maybe you need, you know, to catch the unnamed jigsaw, but to catch, to catch a threat such as that you need a punisher or is it just coincidental? And she has thought about it and now decided to help out this person who, who helped her.
1: Well, between the phone call and she has Billy's dream journal, right? Um, and there was the discussion about what Billy sees in his dreams and, uh, everything there. I think there's more than an implied connection that Frank can help.
0: I'd like to keep a a dream journal, Pete. Uh, what are the theories do you have?
1: Well, I dream of Marvel connections, Matt. And though the daredevil, as far as Netflix is concerned, has been canceled, what a nice moment to continue to see Sergeant Brett Mahoney. Oh,
0: yes, absolutely. To have him walk in. uh, I must confess, Pete, before he named his rank, I was like, what's his rank again? Uh, I think it's detective. And then literally 10 seconds later, he's like, I'm sorry, I'm Sergeant Mahoney. I'm Sergeant Brett Mahoney. I'm like, Thank you, Sergeant Brett Mahoney, for making my notes all that better. Um, it really is remarkable, the through line of having him there. And it's not just for a, ooh, hashtag it's all connected moment. He is the NYPD guy who's handling cases like this and who was obviously handled, who, who, who had handled uh, the, the Billy Russo stuff to a certain degree last season. So it really does make sense for him to show up. And it's kind of like a nice reminder, it's not just Madani and DHS. She is in foreign territory here, uh, this being an NYPD case.
1: Too much to ask for a Turk Barrett cameo? I
0: don't know, Pete. He wasn't in Daredevil Season 3, right? So uh, I don't know if that magic is gone.
1: I'll have to wait and see.
0: Fingers crossed. Pete, with that, what do we have in the old mailbag?
1: We have a communique, Matt, from a.k.a. Frank Castle, Sent a little late for episode one and it's on me. I forgot to put it in episode two there, but it reads, hey, guys, just wanted to leave a little feedback for the Punisher season two, episode one. Absolutely love the first episode. I don't remember watching a show where the first 30 seconds had me anticipating the last 10 minutes for the entire show. At the same time, the entire episode was intriguing, waiting for the moment that the Punisher would punish, but also wrapped up in everything going on in that small town in Michigan. Both of the female actresses were great. Glad to see Agent Madani back. Good to see a somewhat smarter federal agent than we had in Daredevil Season 3, which I loved. Uh, After just finishing my rewatch of the Punisher season one, I'm convinced that it was the single best season of Marvel Netflix. And judging from this first episode, I don't think this season will disappoint. I would go on, but I don't want to take up much of your time. I will be writing you guys a longer feedback soon, covering agents of shield Netflix shows and runaways, which is maybe my favorite guilty pleasure along with other things in the MCU. You might need a separate podcast just to cover that email. LOL. Just kidding. Last thing. Once you guys said to let you know, if there is anything that you aren't covering that maybe you should take a look at, I would like to recommend the gifted on Fox. It displays a level of oppression that I have not seen from an X-Men property and really hits home when compared to today's society overall great show thanks as always for being fantastic and he spelled it right matt with the ph and ps i hope we get to hear from fred on this series i enjoy his voicemails as he makes his way through the mcu
0: well, that is certainly generosity there from DJ Black, not only sharing praise for Fred from the Netherlands, but uh, sharing his thoughts there. Pete, I look forward to that longer email. Uh, we're always happy to talk MCU stuff. And uh, I know he's not the first person to recommend The Gifted. And I think that it it's on our radars. It
1: is. That's what I told him. It's on our short list. But the, the, the easy line in the sand, and not like we're trying to exclude things, but with 15 podcast feeds. Now hard choices need to be made. Uh, MCU is in out is not uh, except when you come into like Star Trek, which is, you know, the labor of love for fantastic geek. Um, But with the merger going through, we'll see. Although there are rumors gifted on the bubble when that happens and might not come back. So we'll see. It's, it's definitely one that we have on a short list. Yeah, I think that,
0: you know, if if a break comes in the schedule, Pete, you know, we're going to get done with
1: What's Punisher.
0: What's that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're going to get done with Punisher, and then our expectation is probably within three weeks of us finishing Punisher is when Jessica Jones is going to drop. If not, we're still expecting sometime this spring, maybe late spring. Uh, Cloak and Dagger, and then that should just about take us to the summer and Agents of Shield. At which point we can say, "Okay, no MCU shows, no no Marvel Netflix, no whatever for the fall." And then before you know it, it'll be well, Pete. I almost said a little bit too much. It'll be some of the stuff. Be careful. Yeah, some of the stuff that we haven't talked about yet that's in our radar for fall twenty nineteen.
1: Yeah, always in motion. The future is
0: that it is. Well, Pete, we of course. Could not do this without the people who support us on patreon.com slash fantastic geek, making sure that we are always flying high up there in our own DHS helicopters.
1: Everybody gets exclusive podcast content when you contribute, and then there's all sorts of levels. Uh, there is the fund a dedicated podcast to the thing that you want level, which is really, really up there, but surely we can figure something out. <laughs>
0: Well, Pete, talking to you, is always, it is free. It is a gift. How can people do so on Twitter?
1: You can find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J, K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R, 10,309. Followers can't be wrong.
0: And while I'm personally on Twitter as looking back lost, do be in touch with the podcast as we make our way through Punisher Season 2. Comment at FantasticGeek.com. Check us out on Twitter, Instagram, and Gmail, where we are Fantastic Geek as well. But wait, Pete, there's more.
1: Facebook.com slash Fantastic Geek
0: with the PH, all one word, like it today. Well, we will be back on Friday to talk episode 204 Punisher. With that, Pete, I
1: will say adios to all the listeners and give you the final word. Somewhere, sometime, every little sin and every big sin will find you out.